0: see boy, what was that song you made a couple while back there, and it was really good. Some people classified it as a hit, and it actually helped people better their lives through the use of country music. Do you mean I need you so bad now? Yeah, that's the one. played for the folks at home. I was hoping you'd say that. Folks, wherever you are out there on this vast, great world, and you know the words, make sure that you sing along with me, because it goes a little bit like this now. Through the hills Where the rocky mountains roll There's a song the men sing And you've heard it before It gives me chills When they scream it out loud So cherish these words There's a magic they bring It goes hum now here kid I need you so bad It goes hum now here kid I fucking need you so bad I'm now here, kid I need you so bad Goes, I'm now here, kid I fucking need you so bad Yeah, yeah It's more than just a call It's a fortune for us all very different from a saying It's my soul's way of praying So one more fucking time Let's sing the nursery rhyme Ask from you, I don't But this time I'm a begging So sing with me I'm now here, kid I need you so bad I'm now here, kid I fucking need you so bad I'm now here, kid I need you bad I'm now here, kid I fucking need you so bad I'm now here, kid I need you so bad I'm now here, kid I fucking need you so bad Yeah, 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 yeah. oh, come on. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. It's host with the most hopsy-go-giggity-baby boy broadcasting live and on location from the Calgary, Alberta studio here just after 5 p.m. on Monday, October 2nd. Gonna join you as we make our way on our ride home from work this evening i wish this was a live show sometimes i never really got into talk radio as a kid my dad was huge into talk radio and i thought that was so foolish as then i'd be like how could you just listen to someone talking but no talk radio is amazing talk radio is great there's something must have just felt so personal you know you're alone in your car every day maybe you know you get this guy at the same time you know guy or girl whomever they're talking, they're in, you know, they're at their little microphone, you know, doing their thing and, you know, you're listening to them speak through the airwaves of your little AM radio, right through your speakers. You know that he's, everything he's saying is happening as he says it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. You don't see a lot of that going on anymore. I mean, I do actually, uh, being back in Calgary, I got it. I do enjoy the fan 960. They've been legendary in the Calgary area for a long time. And there's something about radio that's like about your area like i love uh apple music and you know spotify and stuff like this like it definitely really changed the game in the last 10 years in regards to streaming and listening to music but sometimes you know you got to just switch that dial back to your favorite local station you know you you kind of sometimes want to hear some commercials hear about what's going on in your city breaking news as it happens and as it unfolds it will be told Seriously, folks, this is episode number 73 of the program, and I'm not going to get cocky here, but this is episodes in back-to-back weeks, okay? So when you look up broadcasting, you might look up and see a picture of me. This is broadcasting, this is production, and this is what we do on the project. The world's number one news source. Can you make a claim like that? The world's number one leading news source from independent journalists north of the border living in Calgary in the western side of the city could be true could very well be true and one thing like i was having this conversation with a fellow through work the other day like the issue today with so many different businesses and services is it is so easy to make yourself look legit like if you have some sort of a brain with the computer or you know you 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 know a little bit of trial and error you put some effort into something other than just getting that base paid for Wix templated website that literally 19 of them if you look up some certain trade on Google bet you half the guys that you know have have their own websites will have the same templates for their websites like if you just put in a little bit of work you don't have to have a clue about what you're actually doing or providing for a service or product you just need to look the part that is all it takes nowadays now I was talking to a guy a business owner last week and he was mentioning that, you know, back in the day for his business and their industry, you know, to, you had you had to be in the yellow pages and you wanted to be top of the page. You wanted to be one of the first people when you look up whatever, HVAC, Furnace, whatever, you wanted to be one of the first companies up there because people were just going to call the number that they saw. Oh, Furnace is like, you got to call the Furnace guy. And new companies, you'd be like way back in the book. Like, you know, you had X amount of years, you know, you'd slowly keep working, your way up to get to the front of that yellow pages. Now you can make a website. You could pay a little extra, you know, that SEO stuff like the search engine. I don't even know what that stands for search engine operation or something. I have no idea, but it basically means making yourself pop up easier when people are, you know, searching things up online, Googling things. You want to be one of the first pages that you see. Now you can pay for that, or you can just load keywords into like, you know, your, your website and search certain places out hoping that they'll pop up because it is a crazy time to do business. It's like at the same, everyone always argues that everything, it's never been easier to get out there and do things. But I feel like at the same breath, it's never been harder to wade through all the bullshit that's out there right now. You know, like if you told, imagine telling someone back in the day, like showing them what the internet would turn into and now, you know, you, we, we base all these things off ratings, you know, five-star ratings are so important. If you have a lunch with a gentleman about his business, you know, the conversation comes into Google reviews. This is something that people would have laughed at back then. They'd be like, come on, buddy, let's talk business here. I don't want to talk about fucking Google apps and, you know, yin-yangs and and, and nothing that matters to me. These applications, applicants. No, now it's it's very important. It's very important. And, you know, a lot of these businesses set up back in the day they've been successful for years you know now all of a sudden they're like you know you find them online people are probably like this guy's website doesn't take his job serious this guy could have had this business going for 50 years successfully and you've got a fucking page that's popped up on your google of a guy that literally paid an ai to create a website for him the night before that looks more professional and has you know more of that attractiveness to you the consumer it's crazy times out there right now. So, I mean, as a consumer, you really got to kind of do your research too. You know, you can... Yeah, it's a sweet website, but I don't find much else about this company. I don't see any of this or that. You know, it's it's just it's just crazy times, okay? And I'm not really sure where that came from, but that's just the reality of the situation that we're all in right now. And But that's enough of that, all right? No, this week was fun. You know, um, this is an awesome time of year. I love September because you got... Baseball is going into playoffs tomorrow. Tuesday they start. Uh, NFL is back. The NHL is ramping up. Training camps are on, so we're talking about that. You know, it's a big time. All the college sports are going. You know, like it just kind of feels like we're back in the routine. You know, the school year. Summer's over. Fall is here. Summer being over is depressing, but the fall is here, and there's a lot of exciting sports things. a couple days and there was a lot of people making their opinions known about this and that that was the mark where he got hit by Hayden Hodgson obviously bringing it to notability was Mark Stone's interview after I don't think if Mark Stone made the comments he did obviously I wouldn't even be talking about this right now and nobody would have a clue about what the fuck I'm talking about but I honestly like a lot of people are kind of just bitching at Mark Stone about this calling him a baby for you know bitching after a clean hit and this kid's just trying to make the team. But in all reality, like, this is one of those situations in hockey where they're both right. They are both they both did the right thing here. And I don't give a fuck what you say. If you don't agree with, well, Mark Stone handled this, then you're just a fucking clown, to be honest. There's no right or wrong here in the sense that when they di- both did something right, okay? Mark Stone's comments first and foremost in the interview, that's hilarious. That's comedy, okay? Okay. Sports interviews are so fucking boring, particularly hockey being the worst by far. You've ever seen that Letterkenny clip where they kind of make fun of like they kind of make fun of the interview process in hockey, professional hockey after the game. If you haven't, look up Letterkenny post-game conference, because that's hilarious. And they're making fun of how cliche. Like I don't even I used there used to be days when I wanted to be like a sports reporter. I thought like, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, we worked hard tonight and fortunately the balances went our way and, uh, you know, we just got to keep playing as a five-man unit and good things are going to happen. That's every interview. I could do the interviews for the guys. I, you already know what they're going to fucking say. Yeah, well, you know, it's team game here and uh, we're all just trying to get better every day and work towards that end goal. Like, what does that even mean? You could say that to the worst. You could ask that from a player on the worst team in the league and they'll be all saying, you know, it's a process here and we're just trying to, you know, pull together. Combine forces here and just keep trying to tackle away until we get to that end goal. What's the end goal? Making the playoffs. Like they, every team just talks about the same thing. It's it's so cliche. So hearing Mark Stone with a little bit of flavor, especially in a preseason game. Preseason game. This uh, that's what made me laugh. This is preseason. Like who gives a fuck what's going on in preseason? But apparently a lot of people do. So this was blown up on Twitter a couple days ago right after it happened. September 28th, I believe, or 27th was when this really happened last week. But Mark Stone notably says, that's probably the last time I'll ever get to play against that guy. Not really much of a player, so I'll leave it at that. First of all, again, that's hilarious. That's fucking hilarious. People are saying Stone's being a bitch because, you know, it's a clean hit. What does he expect? Like, what, no, like you just can't hit guys clean, and yada yada. But I don't think people are understanding this guy just took his team with the C on his own chest to the promised land, bringing the first ever Stanley Cup to the Vegas Golden Knights. And he's in a preseason game. And Johnny Chukapuk with fucking seven NHL games to his resume runs him over in the corner, absolutely steamrolls him over. If Mark Stone didn't react the way that he just did with the interview and the scrum ensuing after that play, I would be very disappointed in him. And there would be a dressed in the dressing room. You don't think that somebody would have brought that up? Our fucking captain just got buried in the corner of a preseason game from the nobody LA Kings, and we just let it happen? We just let it happen? No. they All five guys on the ice grabbed someone, little scrum in the corner. Maybe there's a little something there about the camaraderie and the team-first aspect of the Golden Knights Maybe there's a correlation to Stanley Cup championship and what we just saw in the corner of a fucking preseason game when their captain was hit clean. You're allowed to do that. Not apparently when you're playing the Golden Knights. I love that. That is hockey. That's why hockey is a little bit different than the other sports. There's a game within the game, and that's what this is. This is what we're talking about. All these people on Twitter, like, even if you go to, like, I scroll on Instagram today and I saw. Some um, highlights of this junior A showcase in uh, Calgary this weekend, and there was a couple big hits and some scrums and, and some fights, and you know a couple of the comments are like Mark Stone would never, Mark Stone could never, like this is going to be like a, I don't know, just like a, a kind of a joke to say for the next coming weeks and months maybe, and I I just that's absolutely insane to me. Stanley Cup champion Mark Stone gets run over in the corner, and wasn't happy about it. And people have something to say about that? Like that's, it's just insane to me. But at this exact same tune, what a lot of people are arguing as well is, well this guy's, you know, this guy's trying to make the team, like what what's he supposed to do? Exactly that. Exactly what he just did. If Hayden Hodgson doesn't make that hit, because he's respecting the Golden Knights captain, Stanley Cup champion, that's insane. And he won't make the team if he's not playing that way. He needs to play that way. He needs to get noticed. I guarantee you nobody really... I mean, this guy's a great player. He has NHL games on his list. On his resume, sorry. He's clearly a good fucking hockey player. But after this happened, I'd never heard of this kid. I go and look at Elite Prospects. Elite Prospects is like a hockey database site. Much similar to HockeyDB. I only look at Elite Prospects usually. I'm sure it was the same story on HockeyDB. But this guy was the number one trending player the next day after that. I'm not sure if this guy has Instagram or something like that, but I'm sure he was seeing a noticeable bump in his online following immediately after this happened. So it's a win-win for everyone, okay? And I know that that sounds funny. I just, I, saying that they're both right is the case in this instance. If Hayden Hodgson doesn't make that hit, he won't be playing at these high levels. You know what I'm saying? And what's really hilarious to me is like the saying, it's like, that's probably the last time I'll ever play against that guy. Not much of a player. I'll leave it at that. That coming out of his mouth puts in perspective how fucking good NHL players are. That's probably the last time I'll ever see him. Not much of a player, I'll leave it at that. Hilarious line. I look it up. This guy, played in the OHL, he had 38 goal years last year in the OHL, point per game, goes right to the A out of junior, Bounces around between the A and the Coast. Played one year over in Slovakia for half a year, it looks like. But this guy was a steady Coast player. Had some A games. Worked his way up to the American League. Started playing pretty well. And he got his first NHL games in 21-22 with the Philadelphia Flyers. Playing six games. He had a goal and two assists. Three points. And 11 Pims in those six games. So, you know, he looks like he might have fought in the NHL already. And then last year... He only had one game played for the Philadelphia Flyers played 44 games for the Lee Valley Phantoms, their AHL farm team but the year before in 21 22 when he got the six NHL games this guy had 19 goals in the AHL and I know we're talking when we're talking about the AHL and you're comparing stats and players that are succeeding at that high NHL major league level when you go down and look at a guy who's like not point per game in the AHL or you know he doesn't seem to be absolutely lighting up the AHL like we Subconsciously, think like, oh, this guy must not be much of a fucking player. I would have, if I had the career that Hayden Hodgson has already had, I would be ecstatic. I think 99.99% of athletes would be ecstatic. And it's just funny hearing come from Mark Stone's mouth. Again, guy just won the cup with the C on his chest. His um, outlook on what a good player is is very different than the average hockey player. The average professional hockey player's outlook on who they think is a talented, accomplished hockey player. But when he just said probably never play against him again, not much of a player. Like imagine being as nasty as Mark Stone, and you can look at this guy's elite prospects, and and just be like, yeah, this guy's dust. Like I look at this guy's elite prospects, I'm like, fuck, this guy's a stud. I wonder what Mark Stone would think about my elite prospects. Or, like, what would his comments truthfully be if he's that, saying that, fired up in the moment? Like, I played one game in the coast, one singular game. I couldn't even hack it up to this level that this guy is, like, f- played very well at, and then seemingly jumped two levels above that to the best league in the world. Well, it'll be interesting to see. This guy it says Hayden Hodgson is signed for the 23 24 season with the Ontario Rain, LA's direct farm club interesting to see if this guy makes it and maybe he runs stone over again that would be fucking awesome but long story short nobody's wrong here okay and if people that think that hayden hodgson shouldn't be laying that hits that's exactly how you get noticed to play at this level i saw brad Marchand had an opinion on it because i'm sure that this was every reporter was having a good week because they didn't have to do much work themselves there was this buzzing story they get to show up to the rink and probably just ask every guy they see daily about this what you think about mark stone in the comments he made after the hit by hayden hodgson last week preseason game they're all probably saying very similar to things what Marshawn said marchand basically basically said they're both right as well i won't go into it but he mentions too guy I, I do he does feel for hayden hodgson guy like that he has to make himself noticed to play at this level Okay? This guy seemingly isn't going to be you know, a skill guy lighting the lamp for point per game in the National Hockey League level. He has to make his way to that level other ways than other players get to. And that is physicality. I don't care what people say. People try to act like that part of the game is leaving. It will always be important and it will always be around. Okay, If this guy was doing this in a preseason game, I'm sure he has a history of doing that in inter-squad games against his own teammates as he fucking should be as he should be. This is the stuff you do when you're trying to make it to the highest level possible. I won't even pull up the kids names because I can't remember their prospects. There was a big blow up about a hit that was laid in the Leafs development camp back in summer, not the training camp they're having now. Back in the development camp where it's you know just draft picks and, and people invited to the development camp you know to show their stuff. And they were playing a scrimmage and one of these Leafs prospects, so I can't remember his name, but he did. He's coming from Finland in the Liga where they play on Olympic ice. And this kid cuts to the middle in the middle of a development camp skate and gets his fucking head taken off by some guy. Like, absolutely murdered. And everyone online was like, what do they do? There's no place for this type of hit in a development camp. Like, they're all on the same team. They're teammates. Not a very good look. Pretty easy way for yourself to be cut from the squad taking runs at your own teammate. They're not fucking teammates. Not one guy on that ice is a fucking teammate yet. They're all trying to make the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay? And until they do that, yeah, they'll be teammates then. Some of these guys might meet each other in the coast if they stick with, you know, Toronto's farm system. Maybe in the American League. But they're not teammates. And people are like, that's a ridiculous hit to make in the summer in a summer skate. Um, I guarantee you people don't forget who he is now because he made that massive fucking hit. He just lets the guy cut to the middle. Oh, I can't make that hit because it's a summer skate. You think we're talking about that kid right now? Obviously not. But it's just stuff like this. Like, what, people just And you have to do some things like this even if people on your own organization do not like it. Like this is a great example from my own hockey experience. I played my 18 year old year with the Lethbridge Hurricanes in the Western Hockey League. And I played forward when I played in the dub. I was a right winger, I'm a defenseman, but I only played forward when I played in the Western League. They you know, they kind of wanted me to be that grinder, fourth line guy, you know, fight every now and then. And so I'd played that year as an 18 year old full season as a forward. You know, I fought a couple times, like 9 times. I certainly didn't fight enough to pursue excellence at that role. So the next year, there was a new coaching staff brought in. And basically, the coach told me his name was Drake Barahowski. I forget where he coaches now, somewhere down in the coast. He was with the Orlando Solar Bears for years. This guy was intense as shit, and he was very black and white with me. He's like, I want to notice you when you're out there. And he's talking about the inner squad game we had coming up. He's like, I want to be able to notice you as a player when you come on the ice and make a difference with your style of play. Me being me, that didn't mean go out there and rip one top right from the half wall. That meant running people, taking the body, you know, making people realize when Harrison Harper comes on the ice, this guy's out there fucking kind of running around. And so I did exactly that. And I was pissing people off. Like kids that hadn't made the team yet and were like, you know, trying to, you know, at their first camps and stuff, probably having cages on. Like I was taking kids fucking heads off and I'll never forget it. I forget the lad's uh, actual name, but it was um, his son played in the NHL for a long time, Klinkhammer, his dad, Klinkhammer Sr. He was uh, uh, one of the head scouts for Lethbridge, and he was coaching the team I was playing on the inter-squad game. And I remember at one point we had a tough guy on our team by the name of Josh Durko. Like, uh, this uh, Klinkhammer guy, one of the scouts in the inter-squad team against me, he sent uh, Durko out there to grab me and basically like dirks was like what the fuck are you doing out here harps and i just kind of was like man like i'm just trying to make barahowski happy the head coach like i understand i look like a fucking loser right now i'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to absolutely destroy people in an inner squad game like yeah i understand that's insane i even remember at one point when i was close to the bench i could hear like the (laughs) scout talking about me being like somebody go fucking get that clown like, this guy probably thought I was an absolute clown. Probably thinks I'm an idiot. He's like, who the fuck does this clown thinks he is? You know, was a borderline bubble player for a full season and now he's running around here like he's King Kong? I looked like an idiot. But you have to ignore all those things and you have to do the job put forth, the challenge set forth by your head coach. And that's what I did. I had to do it. And unfortunately, I still didn't make the fucking team that year. Maybe that's part of the reason why. And I'm not trying to, like, Say that, like, I have some hockey mind because you know I played a little bit myself, but this is an experience in my own instance that it reminds me of stuff like this. Like, Hayden Hodgson is going to hit Mark Stone in that situation every single time, and Mark Stone getting hit in that situation in a preseason game, he's going to be pissed off every single time, okay? And there's no right or wrong there, that's just hockey. And we had Nick Kiprios on this show way back, I don't even remember when that was, that was a great episode, pretty cool that I got to do that, Uh, one of my fondest podcasting memories, but he said the same thing to me, he seems like a very classy, well-respected guy off the ice, but he said to me, eye for an eye is like, maybe not the advice you give in the real world, in the day-to-day, but hockey's not the real world, you can kind of go eye for an eye, and that's the beauty of the game, and how you can police it, and how you can take things seriously to different levels if you please to you can cross the line in hockey and that should be celebrated not demonized this is great content for the preseason do you know when was the last time i gave a fuck about anything going on in the preseason not recently till this happens that's entertaining and if mark stone would have this you know if more players would have an interview like mark stone in this instance god the interviews would be more entertaining and we would enjoy them much more so okay but enough on that scenario again Hopefully, Hodgson makes the Kings, and we could see some sort of, uh, you know, might be a reason to check out that next regular season game between the Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights. 82 game seasons, you know, there's, sometimes, it's hard to make up storylines, so it's nice that we have one getting right off the get-go in the preseason here, okay? Uh, Something else I wanted to touch on here was an article I read just this past week, in Canada, U Sports is like the ncaa in the states i'm saying this for my american listeners those of you up in canada who say no shit but there's some people that might not know what the u sports the u sports is okay u sports drops first year grade requirements for participation and for scholarships i don't know what to think about this well i'm gonna just quickly give you the gist of what's actually going on Canada's governing body of varsity sports is changing its policies to allow students entering universities to be eligible to participate in sports and receive athletic scholarships regardless of their grades. Kind of sounds weird. Sports said in a statement Thursday that enrolling student athletes will be able to play and receive scholarships as long as they have been accepted to a member university and are enrolled in degree-granting courses. This, these changes will come into effect in the 24-25 season... So currently, student athletes have to have an 80% average in their final year of high school or CEGEP, which I believe is um, almost 90% sure that in this, in uh, Quebec, the CEGEP is like um, after uh, high school, they do like a, it's like a get ready for college course, basically, and you get a diploma. So that's what the CEGEP is. That's what they're referring to. But yeah, that, they had to have an 80% average in their final year of high school to be eligible for enter, an entering athletic scholarship and a 60% average to be allowed to play varsity sports in their first year. So this is kind of where I think it gets crazy. These changes intend to remove system, systemic barriers impacting a student-athlete's ability to participate in youth sports and receive funding assistance... For their pursuing education, says U-Sports CEO Pierre Arsenal, in a press release. Sy- systemic barriers is having good grades to go to post-secondary schools? That's a systemic barrier? Kind of sounds a little weird to go get an education that you need the grades to do for. And that sounds weird, but our focus is to make university studies and sports participation more accessible for current entering student athletes participating in youth sports depends on their high school or CEGEP grades. Therefore we chose to align participation and scholarship qualification with admission to an institution. So that's, I find that odd to me. I mean, also, I don't know if the way they worded this, if you need a 60% average to be able to play varsity sports in your first year, if you aren't able to get a 60% in your university course that costs about, you know, on average, what's a degree cost in Canada right now? Who knows? Let's say roughly seven grand a year. So four times seven grand, let's look at, say it's 30 grand, let's just say 28, 30 grand, whatever you want to call it. You're paying thirty thousand dollars for an education that's worth that much. We're hoping, and you don't need to make requirements. Educationally, you don't need to maintain a certain average. Like being, uh, that's one thing that ma- making it more accessible. Like playing varsity sports while getting an education is a privilege. It's not a right. And if like, I don't I find that hilarious. Like, thankfully for me, when I went to university and played youth sports, I was a mature student. I didn't start as a freshman in school till I was 21, took three years off after high school playing junior hockey. So by the time I applied to be, you know, in university and play sports, I was a mature student and they didn't take my high school grades. Thank God, because I was an absolute idiot in high school. But this is just funny to me, and I don't mean, again, I don't know how many, like, there's not too many sports where, I guess I shouldn't say that, but, you know, majority of athletes coming into youth sports are coming right out of high school. So an 80% average, yeah, maybe a lot of athletes won't have that. I'm not sure the numbers on that, but I mean, like, maintaining an average to have the right to play high-level sports while getting an education, like, I don't think that like having requirements I don't think that's a systemic barrier I think that's just like what it takes to be at this level of education and athletics. And if that's too much to ask, like what are we what are we lowering the bar to our ankles for? Just so we can get more people in? And like I don't know if this was like the way it's worded too is like is this more of a focus on like new schools that have entered the U sports ranks and maybe used to be accredited as a college? And now you know they, this is like something, some sort of a weird rollover. Not entirely sure, but like, you know, I, I understand creating it more accessible, but when that means like lowering the standards that it takes to get in as requirements, I don't know if that's the best idea in my eyes. But this is the end of the article, too. Also, beginning in the 24 25 U sports, institutions will be required to give a minimum of 45% of their total athletic scholarship units to athletes on men's teams and a minimum of 45% to athletes on women's teams. So that extra 10% they say will be given to schools that have, you know, big teams like football teams so they have to give out a couple more scholarships to a couple more male athletes cuz football freaking teams have like 90 guys on the roster. But that makes sense, you know, I agree with that 100%, you know, like men's teams shouldn't have more right to funding than girls teams do at the same institution. I'm all for that. But this is just, um, it's its funny to me. I just, like, I don't know. I'm reading some of the comments, too. It doesn't seem like I'm that far off the general consensus that, like, I don't get why, like, lowering the standards educationally, you know, I get it. They want to get more people AFA rewards, which is an athletic financial award. But, like, I don't believe in new sports. You can get a full scholarship to begin with. And I might be wrong. Like, I tried to Google this, and it says it's right. But you always wonder who's, like, writing these articles. It's always usually someone that probably didn't go to U-sports schools, probably didn't play U-sports. They're just, like, regurgitating bullshit that they came up with or maybe heard in a fucking hallway as a passerby. So be interesting to see if this, is like, has an effect on anything or if it makes, you know, the average person entering U-sports a little less inclined to have higher grades. I don't know. But I remember, like, a lot of people, like... It, the way i look at university too like it's saying like if you can't if you can't attain a 60% average you won't be allowed to play varsity sports in their first year like i'm almost certain like you needed a 60% to be able to play at any year but to be honest if you're again if you're going to university and you can't fucking pull together a 60% at in courses in the degree you're pursuing why the fuck are you even at school Like, that's the reality of it. I get it. School's not easy. It's tough. And at times you have to grind through. But if you're, you know, investing in X amount, again, I would love to know the average tuition of a degree in Canada. But I remember it was basically like, to my knowledge, when I got a degree doing, I did business, it was basically like a 40 class degree. So it was like 40 classes was what it took to get your degree. So, I mean, at my time, I think course average was probably like $500 to $700. So, whatever the math ends up being there. But if you're going to put that much in to attaining a higher level of education, maybe show the fuck up. And, like, I say this, and I mentioned this when I was still in university as a as a student-athlete. Like, when, when hockey season would end, and it would just be, you know, the last couple months uh, with exams and whatnot... Like, it felt like I had so much free time. And, like, I always, majority of the time, I was in a full course load, five and five, you know, taking five a semester. Like, you have so much free time. Like, even when I played, I was a student athlete. Like, I had a part-time gig my last couple of years. Like, I didn't have a ton of money. And I needed to work. And, like, I was, you know, still in school, playing varsity sports. And I still had time to work a couple shifts a week. And that was, and I still, trust me, Think I had enough free time and then some to do whatever I fucking pleased. So my initial reactions to hearing this is kinda of like what the hell? It's kinda of like what the hell. But people in the States, I gotta, you know, I can guarantee you that our school's a lot cheaper than in a lot of NCAA programs, a lot of college programs down there. Get crazy expensive. And I'm not gonna lie, I'm very thankful that I have a degree and um I have a job that required a degree, so you know, it was worth getting in my instance. But in a lot of instances You know, you can learn literally everything we learned online. And there's a lot of discussion right now. You know, do you go to college? Do you not? Like, you know, with the price of everything right now, it's a very tough decision. You know, I think if you're going to go and do it just for the sake of getting a degree because you don't know what you want to do, probably a bad idea. You know, that's essentially what I did, but I knew I was getting to play hockey while doing it. I signed up for business. I had no real interest in doing business-like things when I signed up for school, but I knew that at the end of the day, that was a degree that was very versatile and, you know, given wherever I ended up in the future, would probably be able to be used. So that's why I chose it. You know, I didn't want to choose a degree that is a four-year degree and then you still need further education on top of that to get where you want to go, especially if I didn't fully know what I wanted to do at that point. I always say business is a very easy one to take because it's so, not general, but yeah, it is. Like It's applicable in many different walks of life. You can attain your degree. A lot of jobs will like the fact that you have it. But again, going back to what we're really talking about here, the, the dropping of the first year grade requirements for participation in scholarships. I mean, it's great. We're going to give people more money. But I do think it's funny that we're just kind of lowering the initial requirements for A very, like, you know, for a privilege, for an honor to be able to be a part of U sports. I don't know if that's the right decision in my eyes. But at the same time, looking back to how dumb I was in high school and my level of seriousness in regards to how I took my studies, I certainly didn't have an 80% average. Not in high school. Took me a couple years away from school to realize, okay, you can't just be a clown like you were in high school. You actually might have to show up and do some work. And I did university. I had a good time doing it. Alright. So we'll keep some tabs on this. It'll be interesting to see. What they. what You know. If that really has an effect. Or you know. How they report on that in the future. If that has any effect at all. On the youth sports world. Alright. But anyways. The last thing I wanted to talk about here. Was you know. Moving on. We'll, we'll say. As we move on. Making great segues. As we, we love to do in this show. A lot of discussion. About Umpires in the Major League Baseball realm right now. And it is, it's very fun. People's favorite thing to do is now, especially with the TVs, having the strike zone literally just put out there for every single pitch. You know, it's very easy for us to all criticize when umps miss calls. And I mean, I've never even umped a Little League game. I played baseball till I was 16, but I can imagine being an umpire extremely difficult. Extremely difficult. Obviously, calls are going to be missed. So, like, I sometimes laugh. Like, you know, people are getting really upset when you see a couple, you know, just outside the strike zone. People are bitching and moaning on Twitter when they get the opportunity to like look at it like three different times, and sometimes get slow motion. And sometimes it just makes me laugh. But I, I, I do understand where they're coming from. And you know, I, I saw like Bryce Harper like lost it on this ump named Angel Hernandez, who apparently is like. Renowned for like blowing one big bad call a game. And Harper lost his mind to the point. The guy like ripped his freaking bucket off and tossed it into the third row, which was hilarious. Again, great, great opportunity to sell more popcorn. That kid went home with a souvenir, lucky fan. But this is like, there's always this argument now like they have the technology to have robot umps. And they it wouldn't be hard to implement. There's some league that's in like the minor leagues or something like that. It might be an independent league. And they have robot umps. And then they've done that a couple years ago. They were trying it out. And you could get every single call right. And there would be no discretion. But I don't know. I'm not going to lie. Like, It's such a weird thing to contemplate. Because it's like, do you, yeah, you get 90, 100% accuracy. There'll never be a need for a challenge. You know, we could save all that time. But sports have a human element to it. And having umpires brings that human element to a sport like this. And I've heard, like, the opinions of major league managers, a lot of players, like, I don't think they want, they don't want robot umps. I don't think anyone wants that to come in, especially with a game as historic as baseball, who, until this past year, you know, there hasn't been many rule changes into the history of the game, which is a very beautiful thing. But then you also, like, look at how hard it would be to be an umpire. Like, I've always been just so fascinated with the guys that are out in the field, like, calling, like, the plays at first base, for example, especially. Like, you're trying to tell me that this guy has the ability to simultaneously tell the exact second when that ball made it into the first baseman's glove while simultaneously watching the runner, the hitter, like, put his foot on the bag to see which one of those happens first. Like when I try to think about that in the back of my head. Like I just picture both of my eyeballs being able to like go in their own paths. And retain whatever they saw. Like your left eye is watching the ball go into the first baseman's glove. Your right eye is able to just shift and watch the feet of the base runner. While letting your mind create solid decisions about why this is happening. And how you're going to move forward as an ump in decision making. Because that would be a hard call to make. Again, like throwing the ball to second base. You got the guy sliding head first at a million miles an hour. You got the second baseman or the shortstop running over to make the play. There's a lot of moving parts there. And and like baseball, these guys can steal the bag whenever they want. So you're not expecting them to just bolt for it. You just got to be there in the right place at the right time to make the call. It's very intriguing. Like, I'm sure that there's a way. With the technology available to keep the umpires behind the plate and in the field. But if there is like an indiscretion or you know a clearly a really bad call that was made, then you can go and just K. Okay, yeah, that was a little crazy. There seems to be a little bit of hoopla, a little bit of hoorah about that last call. Why can't we just go take a quick look at what the technology says? Because if you went straight robo ump. Like already with like game would be over in like fucking an hour and a half sometimes wouldn't it? It'd be over fast, and then you get rid of one of the most amazing, hilariously great parts of baseball is when a manager comes humming out of the dugout and just starts bitching at the ump. Like that is unbelievable stuff. And then when they like the umpires like decide to throw him out, like whoever like they have their own little gestures. It's like charades. Like, you know what he's saying. The second he goes to do the throwout for the ump, you know what that means. You don't even watch baseball. You're like, he's out of here. That's fucking hilarious. That doesn't happen in other sports. Keep the identity of this game intact. And, like, i seen on Twitter now, they even have, like, accounts where they scout the umpire. forget what it's called. I'm sure you could type in umpire scout Twitter, it would show up. Or X. Sorry, I got to call it X. But that's, like, and they're given, like, scorecards, like, percentage of calls that were right, and, you know, how many were missed, yada, yada, yada. Like, imagine, like, that's the conversation these umps got to be having now. Like, they're showing up to the ball field, like, probably a couple hours early. Like, who knows when they show up to the field. And they show up, and they're like, God damn, boys, like, I really got it on Twitter last night. No, it was that third inning, Jimmy. No, well, the guy was throwing... He's a lefty. I don't know, he's got that weird submarine release... John, I don't know where the fuck he's throwing the ball half the time. Okay? And his catcher is so goddamn good at framing pitches, it's hard to tell what's what out here. And that's one thing, like, I don't think a lot of people know that aren't really that big into baseball. Like, a big skill for catchers is framing the ball. And that means, like, yeah, a ball might be an inch or two outside the zone, but you have the ability as a catcher to, like, sell it like it was a strike. Like, you might just quickly move your glove to the two inches but instead of just catching it and keeping your glove there you like try to like quickly move it into an area of the strike zone that is there and would be a strike but you try to do this like secretely so that you're not like just going out there like a hollywood glove save in hockey spinning the windmill around because then you just know that that's obviously it wasn't a strike but if you do a little quick little put it back in the strike zone that's framing your pitches some people who don't understand baseball is like oh that's cheating Oh, are they glorifying, like, finding a way to cheat and get those things to be pitched? Because that's a subtle nuance that baseball, an art form that baseball has been able to create within itself because of the uniqueness of this great game, all right? Like, we're talking, and now we have all this information, we have all this, like, technology, all these replays from a bunch of different angles. But I was hearing them talk about this on Overdrive last week. Great show on TSN there, the boys. Overdrive. You better be a Leafs fan, though you're going to listen to that because obviously it's a Toronto show they talk about the Leafs a lot but they were having this conversation about umpires and it kind of went to this and I actually laughed out loud because I'd never I'd never even considered this I never even thought about this you know we got all these twitters now we got the replays slow-mo the uh strike zone with the bat in the batter's box every pitch that we see when we watch it live on tv now but could you imagine like the umps like back in the day like 1900s like 1905, 1910, like, I would love to see the uh, Twitter report cards on their their calls back then. And, like, could you imagine... First of all, let's imagine how hungover these guys probably were. Imagine, like, it's a doubleheader, like, there's one on a Sunday afternoon, like, you slept for two hours last night, and you have... Woke up, you probably had a black coffee, and you drank two bottles of whiskey the night before. Like, your head's just fucking ringing. You can't even see. And then you're standing there with your couch fucking sofa cushion in front of you as a chest protector, as an ump. Or You're probably not even wearing it. You're probably wearing a dress shirt and probably wearing a tuxedo and jeans. Whatever the hell they would wear back then. Just no padding. Probably ump probably just had bare face. Fucking just hanging his hungover mug right over that catcher. Just right looking over his shoulder there, whispering in his ear, strike, ball. Like imagine... I would love to just be able to like go back in time with the technology we have and see some of these strikes. Like what if you like the greatest pitcher been back in that era like just like routinely never really threw many strikes. It just he was so respected. It was like fuck, I'm not calling a ball on that guy. He'll find me after the game, put a bottle over my head and there's no one on Twitter to tweet about it or catch a video of it and get him in trouble for doing so. I like do you, I'm sure if Babe Ruth was up at the plate back in the day, And Buddy was just hung tits, and he had no idea what to do with a ball like that. You know, might have been questionable on the corner of the plate. He's given Babe Ruth the benefit of the doubt. I'm imagining every single time. Like, and imagine back in the day, you're out there, Yankee Stadium, back in the 1920s, and you're sitting up in right field, and someone like blows a pitch, and yeah, a couple people around the you know batter's box or that notice that you know it was probably a bad pitch they're probably humming and hawing but you're up in freaking section 136 having cracker jacks probably lit out of your tree you don't you didn't notice there was a bad pitch watching baseball when you're up in left field like and sometimes like i was at a jays game once like a, sitting like literally three seats away from the final row in left field of the rogers center and like someone threw a pitch and it was a right-handed batter. So, like, literally, we can't even see the catcher's glove. We can just see, like, the, the batter's ass. And, like, someone threw it. And he's like, that's a, that's inside! And, like, we just started laughing. I was like, would you shut the fuck up and go grab a hot dog? We're in section 554. We don't get to comment on the pitch calls in the strike zone. From section 554. We had to take an elevator. Two different elevators to get up here. And you're going to tell me you can tell me what's going on in the strike zone? Get fucking real. Another thing about the Rogers Center too, quick tangent there, don't eat those dollar dogs on dollar dog night. Every Tuesday's dollar dog night, it smells like carcass. I don't know if it's human or what. It smells like a dead carcass when you're out there. You should be paid a dollar to eat those hot dogs. They are heinous. They're not good. And they are probably not built for human consumption. That I can guarantee you. Don't have them. But yeah, I thought Overdrive brought that to my attention. Imagine being an umpire in the early 1900s. Holy fuck. You probably could just go around and just start yelling shit. Like no one would even know. And and like umps used to have those awesome calls. Probably like dating back to before the times of like scoreboards and sounds and you know the organ plan. Like when the umpire goes like gives like the strike and goes. I. That's some of the funniest shit i could ever be around and like growing up you know in calgary alberta probably not the biggest baseball scene in the world but like you know you grow up and you start to realize like oh here's like the umpires that you know you kind of get an idea of who's gonna ump your games usually by a certain age 12 13 like a lot of the guys that are umping you've seen them a time or two so like you know there's a guy like i'll never forget him i don't know how he went home and was able to even like there's no way this guy could say a word to anyone like he would do like a Little League baseball tournament on a Saturday. And probably just do game after game after game. And he wouldn't just do like the... Hey! He wouldn't do that just for like strikeouts. He would do it for every goddamn strike that was pitched. All day. Little League tournament. Granted, we were pretty young. Maybe some of these guys weren't the best at finding the strike zone. But that guy's voice must have been completely gone. That guy's vocal cords shredded. Every single time, and he would do like this step to the right, and he would put up his right hand, and he would literally take like It would not like a drop lunge, it was almost like a half lunge. He would stand, his left foot would stay like it was like the pivot foot in the basketball, but his right one, when he would open up to the right, do a little bit of a drop lunge, and give the every strike. That's fascinating. That's the game inside of the game when it comes to baseball, okay. And that's why we love the game do not get rid of the umpires we need them around it's very comical for all of us involved okay and like I get it bad calls can be made but again that's kind of part of sport kind of part of sport all right folks this is episode number 73 gosh it's I feel crazy back to back like back-to back weeks who am I who am I who are we we are the project that's who okay episode number 73 is adjourned. MLB playoffs start tomorrow. The Jays are in. The the country's enthused. The Phillies are in. They're gearing up for a long run. It's going to be good. We got hockey coming back in just a few days here. It's a beautiful time of year, like I mentioned before, folks. And we got to keep it coming for you through the project forever. All right? Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode number 73. It will be adjourned now.